You are listening to the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 164. When decision makers are looking at coaches and deciding, is this the coach for us? Is this the coach that's going to be able to come into our difficult company culture? Mm -hmm. I don't know too many company cultures that aren't challenging these days. Right. Come into our difficult and deal with some of our tough people inside this company. And are they going to be able to hold their own? Are they going to appear as a leader to our leaders? Mm -hmm. And are our leaders going to really respect that coach and listen to that coach? You know, you have to think about that's what's going on in their mind. So you have to already show up in that place of empowerment and in that place of confidence and clarity, because to them, there is no separation between who you are in the sales process and who you are as the coach delivering. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. I am so excited to have you with us today. As you know, every week we explore different strategies, tools, and resources that professional coaches can use in their practices in their engagement as coaches, whether that is in skill building or delivering different resources to our clients or how we build our businesses to create the kind of flow into our business that helps us be successful and able to stay as business owners or stay in the area of delivering coaching services. We have to be able to be successful in that in order to continue to deliver those services. And that's exactly where our guest comes into the equation today. Our very special guest is Angelique Ruers. She is the CEO and founder of The Corporate Agent. She's been called the undisputed champion at helping small businesses land big clients by Inc. Magazine. And that's certainly the focus that we would like to have as small business owners, how do we land those big clients? And I know through my work with many coaches that the idea of landing business with a corporate client can sometimes be intimidating or we're not certain how to proceed with that. Well, Angelique is going to help us understand the different kinds of conversations that we have in that space of corporate America and how we can meet our clients where they are and bring value. Now, Angelique has groundbreaking global conferences that bring business owners together with major brands like IBM, Intel, HP, PayPal, AT&T, Marriott, and many more. In addition to being named an Enterprising Woman of the Year by Enterprising Women Magazine, Angelique has also been featured by Huffington Post, Forbes, Inc., Lucky, Washington Post, Entrepreneur, CBS, and many more. Angelique is 
so well spoken in this area and knows this business so well. And she does not hold back in this interview. She gives us and gives us more about how we can bring our coaching skills into the sales conversation to really bring our clients value, understand their needs, and create a conversation that closes those corporate clients. Angelique has built her company on the belief that businesses, not governments, change the world. She has also created a download for our audience that you can get at thecorporateagent.com forward slash star coach. We have that link in the show notes on episode 164. And we're going to be talking about that in the interview as well. So I'm not going to make you wait anymore. Let's go to my interview with Angelique Ruers. Angelique, welcome to the Star Coat Show. I am overtly excited to have you here today. I am absolutely thrilled. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, making money. Exactly. And one of those things that in my experience with coaches, the whole concept of approaching and engaging a corporate client can be really overwhelming, particularly with those new coaches that I'm working with. So when you approached me and said, let's talk about this. I was like, absolutely, let's talk about this. One of the things that I just want to start by congratulating you is that you were recently one of the few speakers for the ICF Global Conference in Prague. And I know that you had incredible results in your audience. So just I like to let people know and remind them that the ICF has conferences because it's one of those things we really want to take advantage of. Unfortunately, this year I couldn't go because of some family things, but congratulations. Thank you. And I will say, I'll put a plug in for the conference as well. I speak all over the world, you know, for the last 10 years, pretty almost once a month somewhere, big stages, small stages private stages, public stages. And I have to say the ICF conference was really impeccably well done. The just the organization of it, the caliber of the venue, and then the speakers were really incredible. So I see a lot of not so great events out there. That is one. If you're an ICF coach, or you're thinking about getting certified through ICF, you really need to go to ICF Converge. And I guess they're on an every other year schedule on that. So the next one will be in 2021, but you do not want to miss it. It was, it was high caliber. So with all the value you brought there, now we're going to bring value to the Star Coach audience. And let's start, what do we need to be considering when you're working with your clients and helping them understand how to close a corporate client? What are, where do you begin? The first thing we try to, to teach our clients is that they're looking for solutions to their pervasive frustrations too late in the process. And here's what I mean by that. You know, there's common things that come up all the time. And in the last couple of years, some of these frustrations are getting worse and, and there's real data to support it. There are more decision makers involved in the process today. Sometimes the buying cycle is taking longer. There's more risk aversion from these companies. They really want to make sure that they're getting the best coaches 
approaches and the best solution to solve their particular problem. So we're seeing things like you send over a proposal and then weeks go by and you don't hear back from your prospect or you think that they're totally fine with the way that you were going to approach something, but then at the last minute, a different decision maker from a different part of the company parachutes in at the last minute and upsets the whole apple cart. So these are the kinds of frustrations that are coming up for people, but they're looking for the solution to those problems after they happen. So when we get a new client, I'll get a question like, well, Angelique, I sent over this proposal three weeks ago, and now I haven't heard back. What's the clever solution to that? How can I get them to respond? And of course, at that point in time, there's not a good solution. You can either try to be really cute in what you send over, or you can just keep pestering them. That's kind of a good or worse, or you know, a bad or worse solution there. And so, you know, you don't want to look for the prop, the solution to the problems. Then the toothpaste. I always say the toothpaste is out of the tube at that point. And so now you're looking for a solution to put the toothpaste back in the tube. And that's Let's not going to happen, arm, right? <laughs> and that's not going to happen. That's not so what do happen. we do instead? Exactly. And so the thought is instead of doing, you know, instead of trying to put toothpaste back in the tube, what if instead we just didn't get the toothpaste out of the tube at all? And so everything we teach really is, okay, let's look at those pervasive problems that you have and let's actually redesign your process to prevent them from happening. Okay. So when people are proactive, you're saying before maybe even writing the proposal or or before submitting the proposal, how are we being strategic in advance. Yeah. And in that case in particular, and I'm going to jump ahead here, but in that case, we don't believe in writing proposals. If you're dealing with an RFP and you've made the decision, I'm going to go in on this request for proposal. And I know that there's 10 other companies competing and we're not allowed to talk to them and we have to use this online portal. That's a completely different situation. But honestly, that only comes up one in 10 times. The other nine out of 10 times, you are the only coach they're even talking to, or they're talking to maybe one other potential coach. So there is no RFP. And in those cases, you should never write a proposal. And I could spend 30 minutes just giving you all the reasons not to write a proposal. But the fact is, it's not effective for you. It's not effective for the client. And it ultimately leads to less than ideal solutions to the clients. In fact, typically about 80% of the time, there's buyer's remorse on on behalf of the corporate client because they didn't actually get what they needed. And it's because you went back to your office and you tried to guess by putting together a proposal instead of sitting with the client and co-creating the solution in real time. And we call it co-creation to 100%, meaning your butt doesn't get up from that conversation until every last detail has been decided on with the client. That's co-creation to 100%. So you don't want to do proposals. And by removing proposals from your process, you are keeping that toothpaste. You'll never again be in a situation where you sent over the proposal and it went into a black hole. And now you're stressing as to what you did wrong. Did you price too high? Did you include too much? Did you, you know, did you not clearly articulate your value to them? And so it just removes all of that from the process. So one thing I, I want your viewership to do is never again, send over a proposal. A proposal, which comes into conversation, which is the title of our show in just one conversation. So what are the different kinds of conversations that we might have with a prospective client? Yeah, there are really four key conversations that you have with a prospective client. One is what we call a bridge, which I'll come back to in a second. Then there is something called a capabilities briefing. 
The third is a needs discovery conversation. And then the fourth is a red zone to end zone. The only other one is a bounce, which we don't really have time to get into today. So we can also, I'll I'll hit briefly on a bounce. A bridge conversation is a conversation that you have when you've gotten marketing visibility with potential decision makers. Maybe you've spoken at a conference or people came to a webinar that you were doing and you need a call to action. But most people have this really sort of, I call it the mushy middle because they get marketing visibility and then they want to get to that sales conversation, but they don't really have a good strategy in between. And so that becomes their mushy middle. And And instead of a mushy middle, we want a bridge. You want a bridge. You want value that really creates a conversation that allows you to build rapport with them and gives them immediately relevant information in that bridge. An example, we teach 13 bridges with our clients, but an example of a bridge is an executive briefing. Let's say, you know, you have found that over the last two years, when you have coached clients, that there are three themes or three, you know, shifts that are happening. If you can go in and give them an executive briefing on that. That's an example of a bridge. Another is an, running an internal executive roundtable for them. So you want, you can have a conversation with a client where you're not there to sell and you're also not there to really educate about your services. You're actually there to be a thought leader. So that's one. The second is the second type of conversation is capabilities briefing. And the capabilities briefing is where you're educating your prospects on the ways that you can support them and when is an ideal time to bring you in and, and your track record of what you've done. It is not a sales pitch. It's really an education so that if when they need someone like you, they know what it is that you offer. The interesting thing about capabilities briefings is that clients actually love them. And in fact, eight out of 10 decision makers will accept having a capabilities type briefing conversation. And the great thing about it is that your prospects will never ask you for something that they don't know exists. And so, so often if, if, you know, it's the prospect says, you know, jump five, you know, we need you to jump. And then you say, how high? Because that's all they know to ask for. Right. Right. It opens up it opens up because they don't know what to ask for if they don't know it exists. So that's exactly. Well, and just real quickly about that, that so often we're allowing the client or some, when what I see as a dead end is allowing the client to dictate what they need of in the coaching when they're not the expert in that arena. So if we don't share from our perspective, what is available, then they're running the ship and not necessarily to the best benefit of, like you said, if they don't know what's available, they're going to say, this is what we think makes sense. But if they're not in that space, then it's our job to educate about what makes sense from our perspective. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of 10, they actually don't know what they need to know about the different options and what the journey actually looks like to get to the outcome that they want. But they also, because so few coaches and consultants and other service providers in the world actually take the time to learn how to have these conversations and guide these conversations, there hasn't been a good precedent set. And so from the decision maker, we have to have a little bit of empathy for the decision maker, right? 
because they, they mostly deal with people who don't know how to have these conversations. So they're trying to take charge of the conversation because if they don't, it's, you know, a big dumpster fire of a conversation. Well, and the other side of that is they're thinking it's our money. This is what we conceive that we need. So it's not a criticism, but it's our job as the partner in that to really help them see what's available. That's exactly right. They, and, it, and it is their money and they do know their problem. They know the problem that they're having. They, they know their budget. They know a lot about their company culture. So they're bringing a lot to the table, but there's a lot that's missing. And so we have to really have the confidence to help drive that conversation. So that's why sharing a bit about that. your capabilities is so, so important. Then the next piece, the third type of conversation that you can have with a client is a needs discovery slash co-creation conversation. That's the conversation that people are trying to have all the time. And most of the time, they're not there yet. The worst possible, and I'm sure you can relate to this, the worst possible thing that a coach can go in and do with a corporate decision maker or really any potential client is to just start poking them with a stick to try to find something that hurts. And so they're trying Even the visual of that, guys, I want you to (laughs) really visualize what Angelique just said, because how unproductive is that yet? How often might you fall in that place? Yeah, well, and the and the problem with that is that they've misdiagnosed the conversation. So they've gotten a meeting with the decision maker. They think they're there to have a needs discovery conversation, but you should never be having a needs discovery conversation until there's a very specific problem that the decision maker has identified that they specifically want to talk with you about. If they are not ready, if they have not come to you and they have said, we have a shortfall in our leadership pipeline, or we're having major conflict, or we're having high turnover, and we want your help with dealing with that issue. They haven't told you specifically the problem that they want your help with. You are not in a needs discovery conversation. You at that point actually need to back up and either be in the capabilities briefing or back up again and be in a bridge where you're bringing value and building rapport in the relationship. So part of this, of how you get to a one conversation close with a client, is diagnosing what conversation you should be having with them. Did you ask for the conversation or did they ask for the conversation? And if they asked for the conversation, are they just wanting to know more about you and your services or get some more value from you in terms of, you know, get some insights or are they really there to talk about a problem? So that's the needs discovery slash co-creation to 100% conversation. And that's where you can have the one conversation close. And then just lastly, before we come back to that, I'll just share the last piece. And, and this analogy is going to resonate better for those of you in the States who are football fans. So bear with me here. But we call it the red zone to end zone conversation. And for those of you who follow American football, that's the last 20 yards on the football field before you score the touchdown. And things really get compressed in the red zone. And and the teams that score the highest and, and convert the best from the red zone typically go on to the playoffs or even the Super Bowl. So the red zone is really the hot zone. And that's where you've already laid everything out and you've talked about every last detail. We said co-creation to 100%. You've talked about investment, timing, start date, all of that. That red zone to end zone is just that final conversation. If there are any loose ends that have popped up, additional questions that they have, or they're struggling to figure out how to onboard you into their, you know, their, their system, their payroll, you know, their yeah. payment system and things like that. That's red zone to end zone as, as you launch in. 
So those are the four conversations and really that business development space. And every one of those conversations needs a different game plan because those are four completely different types of conversations. So when people think about the game plan that they need to have, I'm sure that that you get really detailed with your clients and you help them understand those kinds of things. Any just basic, if we were to take one of those conversations and explore just a couple of the elements that go into a game plan for that, what would you choose and and what might be a couple of the tips? Yeah, let's talk about the needs discovery co-creation to 100% conversation because that's where you can have a one conversation close. That's where you can go in and then you can get the deal, the deal done in one conversation. And so one thing to understand is, as I mentioned, you have to really identify, am I ready to be having that conversation? Are we there? So that's the first piece of it. Mm-hmm. The second piece of it is to be proactive and prime your client that that's the conversation you're going to be having and that you have a plan for that conversation. If you don't tell them ahead of time, this is how much time we need. This is the goal of us meeting. And I have a very specific process for how I have these conversations to make sure that we're getting everything we need accomplished. If you don't tell your client that ahead of time or that prospect, Mm -hmm. and then you walk in and you attempt to have a conversation where you have a clear path to moving that conversation through all of the steps you're going to be in big trouble. So it's about setting expectation way, way, way. We're back to the toothpaste again. Way, way, way back before we let that toothpaste out of the tube, we're going to prime them for what to expect. And I'm going to, I'll stop here for a second. You know, this is one of those coaching techniques, right? Because we're always teaching our clients how to treat us just like leaders are always teaching their employees how to be in the workplace, right? I mean, it's the same concept. And so often when we are talking about things like relationship building in in marketing and bringing value and giving value instead of just expecting, all those things are things that we we do in coaching. So it makes sense that we're going to do that if when we're trying to gain clients. We don't like, they're not separate things. We're not salespeople and and none of our coaching techniques or skills or, or just how we live as a coach, how we show up, that should be the same when we're engaging with a client as when we are ultimately working with a client. Having that congruency is so important, especially, you know, there was a book written years ago called Selling the Invisible, right? And so when decision makers are looking at coaches and deciding, is this the coach for us? Is this the coach that's going to be able to come into our difficult company culture? Mm-hmm. I don't know too many company cultures that aren't challenging these days. Right. Come into our difficult and deal with some of our, you know, tough people inside this company. And are they going to be able to hold their own? Are they going to appear as a leader to our leaders? Mm-hmm. And are our leaders going to really respect that coach and listen to that coach? You know, you have to think about that's what's going on in their mind. So you have to already show up in that place of empowerment and in that place of confidence and clarity, because to them, there is no separation 
between who you are in the sales process and who you are as the coach delivering. And so, and that's really, I'm so glad you brought that up because I watch that with coaches. They're so confident and clear when they get to the coaching part, but they don't respect the fact that they have to be just as confident and clear in the sales part. And so there's an incongruency there between the two and that's hurting their sales even more than, you know, not having a big enough pipeline. That's one of the biggest challenges that we see for coaches. And we love working with coaches. I talked a lot about this at ICF. We can't make it through the next two decades inside of companies without more coaches. The amount of disruption that's coming, the changes that are coming, the the automation, AI, humanoid robots, flying cars, flying taxis, space exploration. I mean, just (laughs) what we're about to do, right? It's It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And so we need coaches. So, you know, I get a little bit, you know, guys, I get on my soapbox a little bit about this stuff, but it's only because I know that in for you to do the work that you do in the world, you better master your business development and your sales process. If you don't, you can't do the work in the world. So these two things are completely inseparable. They're two different sides of the exact same coin. And the message that I heard loud and clear there is that we've got to have the clarity. Clarity builds the confidence. Even clarity in what kind of conversation are we having of those conversations you pointed out. That's, you know, a beginning place of clarity. And then when you're having that conversation, how clear are you about how you're showing up, what you're focusing on, and how clear the client is about what you're focusing on. Such good, good information, Angelique. So I'm wondering when you define the opportunity or when you're working with your clients around the opportunity, I'm sure you get objections. I'm sure you get fear, what ifs, all sorts of different things. So how do you deal with the objections that you, that you help your clients navigate? Yeah, folks definitely get really scared about this idea of, oh my gosh, I'm taking control of the sales process. Is that going to be seen as me being pushy or not collaborative? And I understand that it would help for me to say also that I was a corporate decision maker. I hired hundreds and hundreds of outside experts. When I started my business 13 years ago, when I left corporate after a decade, I looked and I all I sold to at that point was corporate. The first thing I did was look at what do I wish all of those vendors and service providers, coaches, consultants, speakers, graphic designers, software providers, you know, cleaning, all the stuff we yeah. purchased, what do I wish they would have done? And that's really how we designed our proprietary system of selling was from the misery that I faced as a corporate decision maker, my peers and what they faced. And so the first thing I can tell you is that corporate decision makers are completely overwhelmed. They are so busy. They have very little mental bandwidth left to even think about finding outside experts and how to have these conversations. The other thing to know is that unless they're in purchasing procurement or supply chain, they have not been trained on the best way to have these conversations. Their training has come from having a lot of really bad, poorly outlined conversations like this. So, you know, you have to really think about all of that. Their most precious commodity is time. And their second most precious commodity is is brain space of what they have to think about. Mm -hmm. So when you say to them, listen, the reason our track record is so impeccable with our clients is because we have a proven process 
for how we initially collaborate with our clients. Now, that proven process is not your coaching process. This proven no. process I'm referring to is this, this sales process. We have a proven proprietary process on how we initially collaborate with decision makers or organizations that are interested in working with us. Let me take a minute to tell you about what our process is going to be because it is different than maybe what you've seen in the past. However, there's a direct link between this and why our clients have a 100% success rate or a 100% why they want to work with us again rate. So this is very important. So let me just walk you through it. And once I do that, if you are still interested in moving forward, then we can get started. Now, that statement is so important if you're still interested in moving forward once you know my process, because that means at that point, they're agreeing to your process. So you just established an empowered position in this relationship. So that's number one. Number the other two, thing I just want to emphasize, yeah. and I don't want to throw you off. No. But- I think sometimes the mindset is that we're going to be pushier, that we're going to be, they're not going to like it. And what I want people to hear that you said was that by creating this structure, by creating a process, you're actually helping the other person. And, and that's huge. It's not about us. It's, it's, it's about the partnership and how we are showing up really in a place that alleviate some of their angst. I just really want people to hear that because I know that coaches are in that mindset of how can I bring value and bring help? Well, this process that Angelique is talking about helps alleviate angst for the other person. That's huge. So I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's, I'm so glad you have it. It is huge. And it's already showing them how you are different how if you're already making their life easier in this process, imagine when they're working with you and they're paying you how much easier you're going to make their life. So you are setting the tone and establishing leadership from the get-go, which leads me to my second piece. So Gartner, God bless Gartner. For those of you who don't know Gartner Research, they're a big think tank research company consulting firm globally in the IT space. All the big companies, the Fortune 1000, they all spend gazillions of dollars with Gartner. And Gartner did this study and they looked at the sales process. Now they were looking at it more around IT consulting, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. We're selling to humans, as Daniel Pink said, to sell is human. Right. And what they found is that when an outside consulting firm expert doesn't, you know, whoever it is takes what they use the word prescriptive, a prescriptive buying process. That's a very jargony word, but basically it's saying, hey, there's a defined process. I've got a game plan for this conversation or for this process. You can trust me because I've got a plan. When an outside expert does that, the message received by the potential client is that, number one, you are very experienced because you would not have a process if you didn't have experience working with this process, working with clients. Number one, your experience. Number two, you are an innate problem solver. So you are someone who's very good at solving problems because the whole reason you have this process is to help them avoid problems. They see you as someone who anticipates problems. So they think, oh my gosh, wow, you're already solving problems and you're going to anticipate my problems before they come up. And number four, it reduces the buyer's remorse by almost 80% because- they feel that they had a very process that looked at everything that needed to be looked about. You ask them all the questions. Well, what about these people? And have you thought about this? 
And have you considered this? And have you thought about this? And so by the time that you've walked them through your process to get to a solution for their coaching needs, they're feeling really great about it. And so guess what that's going to do when they don't have buyer's remorse and they feel really great about this? Guess who's going to keep buying from you? You know, so now you don't have once and done engagements. You have, you're increasing that lifetime value of your coaching clients. So it's really fascinating to see. My final piece about this is that when you do this once or twice and you realize how much better it is for your client and for you, you'll never go back. Right. Like that's really, the proof is really in the pudding. And people say to me all the time at the end, in fact, somebody at one of my recent events on stage said, you know, Angelique, what was crazy about this is I realized that selling wasn't anything like I thought selling was. I had this idea of what it meant to sell in my head. And then when I realized that it was guiding them through a process and really having a clear destination to walk them through, and it was a conversation back and forth. It was like the easiest thing in the world. I can't believe I spent 20 years making this hard. So that feels really good. And when it feels good for them and it feels good for you, you know that that must be the better option when it's getting better results and it's feeling better for everybody. So that's what we ultimately want. And the last thing I'll say about this is one of the reasons that I developed this when I started my own consulting company Mm -hmm. was because I did not want to be uncomfortable in sales conversations because I had sat through so many uncomfortable sales conversations and it wasn't just uncomfortable for me. I was embarrassed for the salesperson on the other side of the table that they, well, and how, how do we really want our potential clients to be uncomfortable (laughs) engaging with us in, in the conversation and feeling bad for us and in our process? Yeah. That's not the place we want to go with our clients. That is not the place. I love that you said earlier, from the get-go, from our first engagement, if we can instill that we are somebody who brings value and leadership from the moment that we begin to engage, then there's a comfort level in that as well. Oh my gosh. They just, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. And You know, this is also one of those toothpaste in the two conversations, because what if something happens and they aren't able to move forward with you on that particular opportunity, as so often happens in today's world where a decision maker thinks they're going to do something one day, they come to the office, everything changed overnight. Exactly. I don't know how many times that's happened. It just is going to happen. It's It's going to happen. It's a nature of the beast. Yeah. It's a nature of the beast. But if you've taken this approach and you've added value on all your interactions with them and the way that you've had these conversations has been so clarifying for them, right, that you're taking this lead and they're getting clarity, they're going to see every interaction with you as a value add, not as a time suck. And so if they're seeing interactions with you as a value add, that means the next time you approach them about having the next conversation, they're going to be much more agreeable to scheduling that meeting with you. And there's an adage that as hard as it is to get the first meeting, it's harder to get the second meeting. And that's, it's exponentially true with each subsequent meeting, unless you are showing up differently in those conversations. In those cases, then you can easily get more conversations scheduled. And you're going to need that because not every opportunity is going to happen when you think it's going to. Oh, 
such important information for people to hear. What have we left on the table that we want to be sure to address, if anything? You've given so much wonderful information. I want to give everyone just a great statement to be able to use in those conversations where they are, they're ready to have that needs discovery conversation, that 100% co-creation, that co-creation to 100% conversation. I want to give them something to say, some words that they can actually write down that's going to empower them. Typically what decision makers will do is they'll sort of just put all of this stuff on the table. I sometimes say like they kind of just vomit everything they're thinking onto the table. And then they'll say to you, Okay, great. Now that I've told you all of our problems and all the things we don't want, how about you go put together a proposal and then send that over to us? That's essentially more or less what they say. Basically, we told you our problems. Now you go figure it out. Send us the... Here's what you want to say. Now, this is assuming that you did what I suggested earlier, which was from the get-go, lay out that you have a process and that you're going to follow the process and this is what that's going to look like. But then what you can say to them in that moment, in the heat of the moment, in that conversation where they forget that they had that conversation with you and now they're asking for that Go away and put it together. Yes. Yeah. So here's what you want to say at that point. Say, we'll make it Jackie. We'll say, Jackie... I'm, I'm so glad that you shared all of this with me. I would be happy to put something in writing. However, we are not there just yet. I would be happy to put something in writing because it is true. You're going to mm-hmm. eventually put something in writing. So right. that they have to sign your contract, right? I'd be happy to put something in writing, but we're not there just yet. If you recall, we have a proprietary process where we co-create to 100% with our clients. So that's why we scheduled this additional 30 minutes in our time together today. And there's about five or six things we still need to walk through. Once we do that, I'll be able to put something in writing. So let's go ahead now and move into that set, that part of this conversation. So all you're going to do is be agreeable that mm-hmm. you're happy to do that, but they're not there just yet. Remind them of the earlier agreement that they met and then just gently guide them back into the working session that you're having with the co-creation conversation. So it's a very gentle readjustment. They'll remember that they had that conversation. You've agreed you will put something in writing for them. Of course, you're not going to send it over. You're going to schedule the next conversation to present it to them. So that's the, the final piece here I'm going mm-hmm. to add in for today is then you're going to schedule that next meeting, which you already told them when you set your process up before that you're going to have. And then you're going to schedule a meeting and then they can, you guys can share a screen on Zoom or go to meeting or whatever you use to walk them through what you've put in writing. But it's not going to be a surprise for them mm-hmm. because you've already discussed all the details at that co-creation meeting. So from that point forward, everything is, you know, really a lot easier to deal with because you've got a new level of open communication with your clients. And I will tell you that when you're, when you're operating on this level, being able to be honest with your client and, and, and direct, if you Mm -hmm. need to be direct, it just feels a lot better because you've already established that. So just for clarification, way back at the beginning, when you say, I've got this proprietary system. Let me share that with you. And if you're agreeable, then we'll move forward. Or if I know you had beautiful words for it, but in that initial, you're kind of walking through. So we're going to co-create together. Then we'll go over the proposal together. Those are all things that you share up front. Exactly. Whatever you decide your process is going to be. And, right. and 
we give our clients sort of a starting point, but you need to decide what your process is going to Mm -hmm. be. When you're initially talking to them, hey, Jackie, I'm so thrilled that you're interested in potentially having us support Acme's coaching needs. Let me, before we move forward, we have found it helpful to share a little bit about our proprietary process and how we initially collaborate with our clients. So there's going to be three conversations that we have. Today, we can have our right fit conversation to make sure we're right fit for one another. Then we'll have a needs discovery conversation where we'll co-create to 100% and work out every last detail. I'll say more about that in a minute, Jackie, because that's a lot different than what a lot of people out there do, but it's why our clients get better results. And then we'll have a final conversation where we put the finishing touches and we make a go or no go decision together or it, whatever, you know, right. that's an example of a No, but that's process. a beautiful example. Okay, yeah. good. And so you're telling them. And so now they're like, oh, wow, look at that. Angelique has a process and we know exactly what we're going to do and how much time and I'm going to be completely taken care of. And so it feels really good for the prospect as well, because now they can relax a little bit that they don't have to figure all this out for themselves. You're coming to the table with a plan, a game plan for them. And I'll tell you, having been on that other side of the table for a decade, I wish more people would have shown up with a plan for me because it would have taken a lot off my shoulder. And our clients to this day, to this day, you know, corporate clients, small business owner clients, they're so appreciative that we have a plan. Well, and confused minds don't buy. So the more clarity that you can create from your end, they're looking to you to be the expert in this space. So own that space, be the expert in this space. Exactly. So Angelique, I know that you created a special link for the listeners. Can you tell them a little bit about what they'll access through that link? Absolutely. The link is thecorporateagent.com forward slash star coach. And on that page, there's a PDF resource that's pretty amazing. What we did is we put together seven different $100,000 corporate coaching packages. So if you're not sure what is a hundred thousand or a three hundred thousand dollar corporate coaching package look like, we've given you seven different specific examples, all designed based off of things that our clients are selling now. And it even has recommended price ranges for each of the components of those coaching packages. And I know what do you include? What are the options? How do you scale bigger engagements and what do you charge for those really can create a lot of anxiety for people. Oh. So you have seven examples there. I'm so appreciative. I know that the listeners are appreciative of that. And once again, I just want to thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. This was such a fun thing to do and get out there. You guys close in one conversation. Those corporate decision makers will thank you. So there you have another expert talking to us about how our coaching skills can actually help us in the sales process. It is all about bringing value, understanding our client, and creating a process that makes sense for them, that brings our expertise in as well. I want to thank Angelique Brewers one more time for joining the show today. I also want to shout out to a former guest that we had on the show, Dr. Sherry Yellen, who introduced our show to Angelique through ICF Converge this year. And that's what helped me bring Angelique to all of you. 
If you're enjoying the show, I would so appreciate it if you shared with other coaches what the show brings forth so that they can access the incredible expertise that our guests bring to the show as well. Be sure to come back to the show next week when we have Rick Tamlin join the show. Rick is an author and the co-creator of The Bigger Game. It's all about how we show up in a bigger way and a tool, The Bigger Game, that we can use with our clients to help them show up in a bigger way. Super exciting. Rick is dynamic and brings his A-game to the show. Can't wait to share that with you. So come back next week. And until then, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fabulous week.